everyone. Welcome to episode 61. And this time it's actually truth in advertising. It's 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff. All three are back in the studio. And sadly, again, our summer series and guests are in the rearview mirror for another year. But hey, there's always next year. Some of us may be more distraught than others, but a big thank you to Molly, Megan, Jeff, Cheryl, and Danny for doing double duty, not only speaking, uh, and then making time in their schedules to add the podcast to their to-do list. We were all certainly blessed because of it. Speaking of which, last week, our final summer series episode was entitled, What Does It Mean for God to Direct Our Path? That featured special guest speaker, Danny Howell, with an ending that you simply should not miss if you were wondering what it looks like to be a on-the-ground, hands-dirty, doing-the-right-thing Christian. Listen to the last two-and-a-half to three-and-a-half minutes of that episode. Don't remember exactly the runtime, but it's a story that will make you think and will also give you a little uplifting for the journey when it seems like sometimes we just don't know what to do. If you're not listening to it again, go back. You can do that on the church website, hospitalchurch.org, and of course, always in the church app. Now, on to this week, and of course, as you already know, a return to the usual voices we know and we certainly love. Welcome back, Andy and Jeff. We're back. As you speak for the rest. Is that- <laughs> <laughs> this week was entitled, What's Your Moral Compass?, And it was by Andy, and we all received a compass at the end of the message, and so far we haven't had anybody call in saying they were lost. Everybody knows where they are now. Everyone knows where they are, right. But after starting off the week with this horrors of hiking story, (laughs) uh, you defined through multiple sources what a moral compass is by definition, but I wanted to get a little bit more personal and find out, okay, for Andy, what is your definition of your moral compass. How is it that you look at it and you look through it and say, this is what my moral compass is. This is how I process all this information we talked about this week. This is Andy's moral compass. I would I would say it is Jesus Christ and his teaching as revealed in scripture. Excellent. Jeff? Uh, how do I top that? <laughs> I was just going to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I've got a much better one. <laughs> Thanks for asking Andy first. <laughs> yeah, thank you for asking me first. <laughs> uh, you can say ditto. It's okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought exactly. that might happen, yeah. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, uh, maybe I could add, not add. There's really not much you can add. You know, because you can look at Jesus Christ and his life, and I think – that is the essence. I mean, everything in the scriptures that I see points to that, to his life. And Andy and I were talking about this just before we came in here to the room. There's there's so much that we can learn, and I keep going back to those stories. The narrative of his life and the words that he said both speak highly of what I think all of us could could live to. The problem that I see is that this whole thing about how to interpret what Christ's actions really, really were. Um, sometimes we have ways of, of <laughs> skewing that. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, we see it from different angles. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I was thinking about the compass, and when you it, it didn't really dawn on me till the end of the message, and you're like, "Hey, on the way out, don't forget, everyone, grab your compass and don't go get yourself lost in the woods because <laughs> these might not really work all that well." But you know, a compass in the pre-GPS years as we know them were, right. you know, maps and even a compass is installed, a compass app on nearly every cell phone made anymore. And, you know, that's filling a sizable portion of the pockets in the world. And that was as basic as grabbing your pack of supplies or the shoes to put on your feet before you went for a hike. Right. You took your compass. 
But technology hasn't completely replaced a hold-it-in-your-hand-no-batteries-required-or-cell-signal version just yet. And like you said, unless you're willing to spend big dollars on a satellite GPS locator and plan your route with a place to plug in. But also, it, it can still be easy to forget if you're not a hiker or a surveyor or someone who might actually need this for your day-to-day life. And the correlation to our daily lives, there's dangers to us being lost without our moral compass every single day, even though – Technically, that same phone that contains the GPS has a – most of us have a Bible app (laughs) or more than one Bible app, sometimes a study Bible app. How do we stay aware that we, A, have a moral compass or should have, whether it's a good one or not, and guard against or maybe make sure that we make our moral compass our American Express? We never leave home without it. It's really important that we constantly update um, that. that, I think think when we talk about daily devotions, we – we, we sort of expect some kind of, woo, aha, big moment. And it's really just ordinary, everyday, plodding forward with God. Yeah. And, and that, that keeps updating our moral compass. It really does. And, and it's important because it's, I found out when I was studying for the sermon that Magnetic North is migrating towards yeah, Siberia yeah. about one degree every 10 years. So if you have an old, old map and you're using your compass to orient to that map— you can be seriously off now uh, based upon those changes. And so it's. It, I think it's really critical from a moral compass standpoint that we do the same thing. We constantly update. We, we keep staying connected. We go through that ordinary routine of checking things and making sure it's what it is. Uh, and that dailiness, that ordinary living is really key to, to keeping our moral compass ready. So it doesn't have to be exciting, in other words. It's just <laughs> no. part of what's – because I asked this of Danny last week. I said, is he shared his journey? I'm like, what does it look like for someone who – the only person I know more than myself that talks, probably maybe too, <laughs> maybe too much. Sorry, Danny, if you're listening. But just you know, loves to talk, is an engaging person. I'm like, how do you stay quiet long enough to listen and – you know, what does that look like? What does it look like for you, Jeff? To stay quiet long enough to listen uh, and to um, and to do that reset that Andy's talking yeah, about. And I was going to say it a little differently. Um, first of all, I think that every piece of what I get as I read the Gospels, as I renew and re-up, you know, your relationship on a daily basis, and I think, I think the Gospel shares that every piece of that is about relationship with Him. That's that's I think the underlying piece is God wants a relationship with us. So what does Christ do? He sends us a comforter, he says. He sends us the Holy Spirit. So I think the closer I get to understanding what the relationship is, mm. the closer I get to understanding how the mm. voice of the Holy Spirit speaks to me on a daily basis. And I'm not saying I'm hearing voices. I'm not saying I'm, you know, I, 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 <laughs> my wife may say that sometimes. Maybe we do. <laughs> but but, me, but it, Yeah, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. But I think the Holy Spirit becomes clearer. You know, there is a – I like how you say updating your compass. I think differently about my choices and the things that I do in my life today than I did, you know, five years ago as a result of becoming clearer of who I am with Christ but also being able to understand, I think, the Holy Spirit working in my life as as Christ has given to all of us. I don't know about regular compasses and I'm not a compass expert by any means. But I know they have to recalibrate marine compasses that before, right, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and how they're placed in the boat and that kind of thing. And so I think that recalibration is really important. When you say, 
we can trust what the Holy Spirit inspires us, our conscience, that kind of thing. But the recalibration of, of that comes by verifying it with a word. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I sense this is the right thing to do. So I go to Scripture, and Scripture says, no, that's the wrong thing to do. It's like, okay, i got got to recalibrate to Scripture, not (laughs) to what I think, you know, kind of thing. Well, this has been an underlying theme that we've gone through over these last five weeks. I mean, it's been a part of every single week. Really starting, Molly kind of kicked it off, and Mm -hmm. I think in some ways that affected everybody else's message that came through because each instance – we sat down and it was the same theme. We're trying to listen to God and how do we interact with what we're listening to? How do we know, like Jeff said, how do I know if it's just me thinking it because <laughs> that's really what I want and that's my subconscious kind of pushing it in there and the devil kind of you know pushing that into that frame of my mind where maybe I'm not, maybe I'm just hearing me, maybe it's not God. So I really haven't wanted to let that one go because it's been something that's just been kind of stuck in my mind, and probably for the better. But I, I forget the theologian who said that they're a little, always a little skeptical of the person who could hear God's will, you know, hear, hear, <laughs> hear, hear the voice of yeah. God, so often agree with what they wanted. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't always an agreement. Yeah, that's probably a danger sign. But Andy, you listed several ways that people substitute a moral view from God with other sometimes... I don't know, seemingly sensible alternatives, in air quotes, that almost seem like they should work. I mean, Aristotle's golden mean in finding the balance between the excess and moderation, I don't know, seems pretty logical and even well thought out. But you said something that should make every one of us consider our own compass more closely. You said, today we say we have gotten better as a human race because we condemn those practices, which was referring to obviously flawed and previously somewhat accepted group belief practices such as child sacrifice and slavery. And you went on to say, but how can we know if we are better or worse unless there's a moral standard beyond our own? And practically speaking, using that statement, how would you engage someone who doesn't believe in God that says, you know what? I don't know. I feel – because I feel like a lot of people kind of go with the golden Mm -hmm. mean and say, you know what? I'm not that guy who's over here, you know, killing and, you know, causing havoc, but I'm not this person over here either. So, you know, I feel like I'm a pretty balanced person. I try to love people. I just, you know, try to do what feels right. And so I feel like I'm a pretty good person. I mean, I've I've been that person. So you're okay? Yeah. Yeah. But how do you, how do you engage someone if they don't hold that view of God? I I think one of the things is something I learned a long time ago from uh, Bill Hybels, the whole idea that, and, and it's also confirmed in some of Ellen White's writings as well, <laughs> that the requirement for entry into God's presence is absolute perfection. Mm. So either you're absolutely perfect or you're somewhere below that. <laughs> oh. And we're all somewhere below that. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, good, good. I was about to ask you to clarify that just and, in case. And we might, we might just do the golden mean and say, well, I'm not Mother Teresa, but I'm also not you know, Al Capone. You know? <laughs> I mean, I'm somewhere in the middle there. But it's irrelevant, really, if the requirement to be in God's presence is 100% righteous, then it doesn't make any difference where I am on the spectrum in any kind of a golden mean, I'm, I'm still messed up. Right. And so I need something beyond myself. I think that that's a conversation worth having. Uh, is that my compass, or is it just a matter of fact to realize that I, I don't measure up, and so I need something beyond me? That solves a lot of our problems, doesn't it? I mean, if we, if we can even just go that far <laughs> and say, yeah, yeah, I'm in the messed up category, no matter whether I'm kind of closer to the top or closer to the bottom, essentially it doesn't really matter, right? I mean, you right. either, you're either there or you're not. Well, my life may work better. I think Mother Teresa's life worked better than Al Capone's. Uh, sure. But neither 
or neither, whichever the right word is, yeah. um, gets you into God's presence because neither of them are are going to are absolute moral perfection. That's true. That's true. Well, if you haven't watched or listened to Andy's message, I would encourage you to do so and engage with the list of alternative alternative ethical models. Easier. Easy for me to say. Well, one, of the, one of the things that was – I had people after service talk to me, <laughs> and they were frustrated, very frustrated about Uh-oh. my sermon. And, and I said, well, I did. I, I mean, I, I exposed us to these models. I didn't have time in 20, 25 minutes to unpack the fallacy of each one. All right. I could do was say, here are some ethical models, you know, and here's the model I think is really ideal. But, um, but to each one of those, you can unpack and say, okay – if this is your moral compass, where's how's that not going to work? Well, I thought that the part that wrapped it all together and made what or the way that you did it palatable to me that actually <laughs> just was like you don't have to unpack it was you said interesting theories about these alternative ethical models. We may find ourselves resonating with some portion of several. We may be horrified that we have chosen some of these as our moral compass without thinking it through. Mm-hmm. And I thought, whoa, that really puts it all together because essentially you can kind of go through a couple of those like the golden mean or the group think or mm-hmm. the these different mentalities and go, ooh, man, I think I've – well, no, I don't think I have. I know I have done some of those mm-hmm. and maybe I still currently do. And so what are those do I have to identify to give to God to get myself to get myself on the right path here? Well, we all quickly can condemn the might makes right moral yeah. ethic. We all think, oh, well, sure. that's not right. And we've all watched the movies where the powerful went over the poor, you know, persons that have the power, and, and we know that's not right. And yet at the same time, oftentimes we just simply agree with the powerful and disagree with the weak. And it's really we're choosing a might, over, might makes right <laughs> ethic without even really sort of processing it fully. Yeah. But I mean, finding our moral compass in scriptures. Sounds like the best advice you had, really, out of any of the mentioned. I mean, that was probably on purpose, I'm, I'm <laughs> guessing. Always a sign of a good message. But any recommendations for somebody just that is going, okay, I heard Andy, the sermon notes are there. You can actually go and read it and just kind of, you know, resonate over that a little bit. Anything like, you know, verses, chapters, maybe books of the Bible, other stories, other writers that might help someone who may suddenly find themselves with bits and pieces of these ethics models stuck in their moral compass and going, how do I rectify these? You know, again, we know we need to be in the scriptures, but something that mm-hmm. sometimes will just give you a click in the right direction to go, oh, maybe that would kind of get me on the right path. Anything? That's why Jeff's here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a tough I, I, day, Jeff. I'm sorry. <laughs> now, you know, I think of the scripture, actually, I do think of the rich young ruler who came to Christ and he was a moral guy. Yeah, You know, there was a lot of things, and I guess that's the question we have to ask. Is Christ looking, I mean, is he wanting, is that this issue? Are we needing to be moral people? And I think as I look at the, as I as his response to the young young man was, he says, well, just give everything you have to the poor and then follow me. <laughs> yeah. And apparently there was a skewed compass there that apparently- yeah, there was something that was a, another force that was pulling his compass around the other way, and uh, it, it was messing it up. And I think sometimes, you know, and that's the argument that I, you know, Andy and I have keep talking about this is, what does it really mean to be moral? You know, 
it, does it just mean to be a good person? And you, know, you can go through those different things. And, it, and one of the ones that I you resonate with a lot is the kind of the agreement of the masses. As, as long as I am, you know, in agreement with everyone, I'm actually helping society and my and other people out, you know, for being that moral for the good of everyone. Right. And as I going back again to Andy's last statement, I don't think that Christ that was an issue for. He was not trying to be everyone to all people. It wasn't trying to satisfy the majority or or even pleasing the masses. We really tend easily, I think, to conform to the morality of our group. Very easily. So within our denomination, we say certain things are right and wrong that we all sort of come to agreement on, and then a person doesn't do those, they're being moral. If they do them, they're being immoral. Right. And But that may look very different than a different group. And you see today in our culture, the, the ethnicity issues, the nationality issues, a lot of all of this has to do with my group. If you hang with people who all make an excessive amount of money, you're going to think about life different than you hang a bunch of people who are barely making it. Yeah, You're just going to have a different way of looking at all the issues of life. And so... Our tendency is to allow the group around us to, to become our moral compass as opposed to saying, okay, bring ourselves back to Scripture and saying, what does Scripture say is the, is the right thing to do, do here? It may match what your group says. It may, it may not. not match at all. Yeah. Yeah. And so you have to decide, is what will I choose to be my moral compass? And of course, people worry about it a lot like as, as if it was salvific. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure it totally is um, you know Jesus Jesus is our savior and we're all messed up <laughs> well, we it. should be sure on that <laughs> yeah, actually. Yeah, okay. yeah, <laughs> well and that's a perfect lead-in I mean we're out of time but we're gonna make the rest quick here but one of our final FHC takeaways from this week asked the question what do you think about growing tribalism often reframed as multiculturalism where my group's interests determine right and wrong so if you'd like to add to that conversation do go ahead and if you just jump into the hospital church mobile app you can send us a text or an email or just straight through your email program podcast at hospitalchurch.org. And finally, just to wrap up, as we've continued this idea and practice of listening for God, I'm going to leave you with the last Bible text from Andy's message from Isaiah 30, 21, that says, Your own ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, This is the way you should go, whether to the left or to the right. And while we may not hear exactly those words audibly, if we're in and in the scriptures and resetting our compass on a regular basis, I do believe that that will happen. I mean, let me just, I want to say one little quick thing, and that is, we'll hear this voice, and even if we hear it wrong and go in the wrong direction, if, if our heart is in a position that says, God, I want to do whatever you want me to do, that's, right. that's who I want to be, I want to follow your will— then even if we go off askew from his will, if we keep praying that prayer, he can guide a moving ship back on the chart, put put him back in the right place. So I think the idea is is living a life that says and believes and seeks to believe, I want to do whatever you want me to do, and then keep moving forward so that he can direct. Yeah. Excellent. Well, that was way, way better than my wrap-up. Okay, so <laughs> upcoming this week, it's going to be Jeff. What are we talking yeah, about? Yeah, it's uh, starting a series on life without walls, which is part of our vision statement. Oh, right. But this week is going to be specifically about being a gate builder. So you think of a wall without a gate. and well, Life without walls sounds like living in glass houses a little bit. but <laughs> well, Glass houses still are walls, right? <laughs> well, there you That's go. Great. All right. Well, you're not going to want to miss that. So until next Wednesday in Episode 62, this is Randy for Andy, Jeff, and Tom saying thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you then.